Come on, somebody. Man, living room, how are we doing tonight? Everybody doing good? Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you, Ben. You guys were amazing. Thank you, Paul and Angelica, for leading us so strong. That was um, incredible. And hey, if it's your first time to the living room, we are so pumped that you're here. Um, or if it's your first time back to the living room in a while, we're really excited that you're here, which I guess that's kind of all of us since we've been off for like seven, almost eight weeks now. Um, so welcome back. Um, we are so pumped. We've been counting down the days for a while now to get to this moment to kick off the semester. And what an amazing start. It's already been really quick. I'd love to introduce myself in case we've never got the opportunity to meet yet. My name is Matt, and I'm on staff here at Buckhead Church. Um, in the college ministry, and I've been on staff for a little over three months now. In fact, a little over three months ago, I moved to Atlanta from St. Louis, Missouri, and I moved with my wife, Ann. Um, in fact, Ann is sitting somewhere back there. Where you, there you are. What's up, babe? I see you, girl. I love you. Um, anyway, she's awesome. I love her so much. Um, and she's on staff here at Buckhead Church as well in Wamba Land with the little guys. So if you're looking for a great spot to serve in on Sunday morning, Wamba is that spot. And let's see a few things that I can tell you to kind of let you get to know me a little bit more. Um, the first thing is, is I love sports. Um, any, any sports fans in the room? Okay, a few of you. Rise up. Go Falcons. And I love, um, yep, I love basketball. Basketball is my my favorite sport. Uh, in fact, I just started playing on a men's basketball league team here in Atlanta on Thursday nights at First Baptist Sandy Springs. Uh, we're called the ATL Sleepers. Uh, hashtag you sleep, we eat. That's just the way we do it. And uh, last Thursday, we kicked off our season, in case you were wondering, with the smooth 25-point victory. Um, Sleeper Nation is on the move. We're, we're, we're rising up. It's going to be an amazing season. Big things to come. Um, come out this Thursday. I, I'm going to stop right there. You don't need to come out. But anyway, it's awesome. So I love sports. I love basketball. Basketball. Um, another thing is I really love to eat out. Um, it's, it's kind of an issue for me, and I love trying new restaurants. I don't know if you know this or not, but the city of Atlanta has like a ton of really, really amazing restaurants, so that's been awesome to do that. And uh, my favorite place I've probably been to so far is this place called JCT Kitchen. It's over on the west side. Okay, you love it. I'm with you. And, uh, and it's, it's really, really good, so you should try it out, but that's probably my favorite. Um, let's see, a couple more things. Um, I have loved getting the opportunity to be on college campuses here in Atlanta. I know you're like, you probably need to, you have to say that, like you're the college pastor. It's really true. I love it, and I've loved getting to see all the different things about each campus, to see all the unique things, and to go to some sporting events, and to learn the chants. It's been awesome. In fact, while we're on topic, I would love just to find out who's all in the room tonight. So are there any um, Georgia Tech yellow jackets in the room tonight? Okay, we got a few. That's awesome. Are there any um, Georgia State Panthers? All right, I see you, GSU. Are there any Morehouse Tigers in the room tonight? Okay, you're, you're coming in strong. Are there any SCAD bees, or maybe you're the bumblebees? Can you correct me? Is it the bees or the bumblebees? It's the bees. That is awesome. Um, SCAD bees, that's so great. Um, let's see, uh, are there any Clark Panthers in the room tonight? Is there one back there? You're in there. Let's go, Clark. Is that the right, Panthers? Okay, I'm trying to get all my mascots. Is there anyone I'm forgetting? Any? any Snellman, Snellman, what's your mascot? Snell, okay, we'll get to that later, whatever. Snellman, you're in the house, I love it. Is there any, oh, I love you guys, by the way. I'm not dissing you, I just, I, you know, I'm trying to get them all. But hey, um, is there anyone in the room, and this is gonna be crazy, is there anyone in the room that like you're visiting from California and you attend Pepperdine University, anybody? 
Nobody, I didn't think so. I just thought that would be insane if there was someone from Pepperdine University. But anyways, we'll keep going. The final thing while we're talking about colleges, the final thing that I could share um, about myself to help you get to know me, probably the coolest thing that's happened to me since moving to Atlanta happened about a month and a half ago. And I was at the Georgia State men's basketball game. And a lot of times during basketball games in a timeout, uh, they'll play music. So a timeout was happening and the juju came on. So Ann and I looked at one another and we knew exactly what we needed to do and I can explain what happened next but I actually caught it on video and I'd love for you to see it so check this out real quick yes so the juju comes on and like we stand up and we're killing it. The place is getting lit. Like you don't even see that in the video. People are like jumping around like it's crazy. But what was even more crazy is I found out later on in the night that ESPN3.com, which you're like, what's ESPN3.com? Exactly. No one knows. I don't know either, but it sounds cool because it's ESPN3. It's ESPN. So ESPN3.com was broadcasting the game. And I found out that the guy that was broadcasting the game live on ESPN3.com actually used us as a way to transition into to a commercial break, and I got that on video, and I figured you'd want to see that too, so check this out. Coach always going to find something. You're, you're right, and that's the, that's the sign of a player. As you see the highlights right here, Simon gets up for that left-hand dunk. That's a sign of a guy that's trying to change the focus of the program. And they're dancing in the album, be right back. Oh, run a man on that beat. Hey, run a man on that beat. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, all right, we need to move on. I'm getting off track tonight. But hey, welcome back. Like, welcome to a new year. Welcome to a new semester. There's new classes, new routines, new opportunities, new experiences ahead. And I don't know about for you, but for me, I love kicking off a new year. Because in a way, it's like you get to click the restart button and you have a brand new, fresh, clean slate and everyone's setting New Year's resolutions, there's new goals. And a lot of people are like, man, my goal is to get back in shape, like the gyms are packed. Or maybe you're like, I'm crushing my schoolwork. But what you know to be true and what's pretty funny about this is that these goals don't last very long. Like maybe a week, two weeks, maybe if you're really dedicated, like a month. Anyone still have their New Year's resolutions going? Probably a few of you, yeah, that's right, that's awesome. And they don't last very long. Like none of these goals last very long. Like after when February rolls around, the gyms are kind of back to empty and you're crushing your schoolwork for like the first two weeks, but then week three rolls around and you're like, I'm sleeping through my 9 a.m., like I'm over it and I don't care anymore and that's just how it goes. And so what happens is, is a lot of us, we get to the point where you're like, you know what, that's why I don't set goals for myself anymore. When a new year comes, like I don't set goals because I'm tired of disappointing myself and I know it's not gonna work out. Or maybe you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being that person. Like everyone gets annoyed by that person that's like, oh, new year, new me. And it's like, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. Like that's not gonna be me. It just doesn't work out. And the reason that this happens, the reason that these goals fade, if we could just talk about it for a second, and the reason that we wanna make goals is because we believe deep down there's something inside every single person that wants to believe that a new year can somehow be better than last year. There's something inside all of us tonight that wants to believe that 2017 has the potential to be just a little bit better than 2016. And this is because life gets blurry. Life gets blurry. The 12 months of a year are like a 12 round boxing match in a way. And there's ups and downs, highs and lows, and your priorities start to get out of whack and you begin to lose focus. And by the end of the year, you're really just kind of wondering like, like what is going on? And life gets blurry, it gets really blurry. And this is why a lot of you come into 2017 and you have a lot of questions. 
Like you're asking, what's my purpose in life? What matters? What doesn't matter? What should matter? What shouldn't matter? Like what's my identity? What does my future look like? Maybe you're asking, what's this faith thing all about? Or is there really any hope that, that this year, that 2017 can be any better or any worse than 2016? And if we could just be honest for a second, no one likes blurriness. Like no one likes living in blurriness because blurriness is unsettling. Blurriness is walking around aimlessly without much direction. See, when we're looking and when we're living in blurriness, oftentimes we're prone to make poor decisions. And if we could just be real for a second here tonight, college is way too short of a season. It's way too unique of an opportunity to live a single moment looking through the lens of blurriness. So if blurriness is the enemy, then the goal is clarity. If blurriness is the enemy, the goal is clarity. And we want, as the living room, we want to try to help you get there, which is why tonight we're kicking off a brand new series called the 2020 Experience. And the way that we're defining this is this, seeing clearly in order to live purposefully, regret minimally, and grow spiritually. Seeing clearly in order to live purposefully, regret minimally, and grow spiritually. And we think that all of you want this type of experience in life. Like all of you want to live purposefully. All of you want to live your life with a purpose. Like you want to know that your life is making a difference. All of us in the room tonight want to regret minimally. Like all of us could agree that life is just better when you have less regrets. And most of us in the room tonight have a desire to grow spiritually. And maybe you're the type of person that's in the room and you're like, you know, Matt, I was with you. Like I, I want to live on purpose. I want to have minimal regrets. But the whole spiritual thing, like, I don't know about that, man. That's kind of a stretch. Like, I'm not really a spiritual person. I'm kind of just here because I got invited. They said there's free dinner, chicken Alfredo is awesome. But I don't know about this. But I think the truth is, if we pushed a little deeper, is that you at least have some level of intrigue or interest. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be here tonight. See, we all desire this. And we think that this entire experience is connected with seeing clearly. We think that seeing and doing are connected. Another way to say it is we all have a lens through which we see the world. It was about three and a half years ago, and I remember this because we were on our honeymoon, Ann and I were together, and we were in Riviera Maya in Mexico. It was an awesome trip, and uh, I got to let you know that uh, the lens that I see the world through is, is one that's not really that adventurous. Like, like I see the world through um, a, a really mild, adventurous lens. Like, what I mean by that is um, an adventure, a big adventure for me is going to Lenox Mall around Christmas time and trying to find a parking spot. Like, that's an adventure. I'm like, oh my, I found a spot in under 15 minutes. Like, this is... Is crazy. That was so wild. Like, I can't believe I just did that. Whereas Anne, my wife, she sees the world through a lens that is much more adventurous than mine. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to give her too much credit. She's not like going to go skydiving tomorrow, but she definitely sees the world through a much more adventurous lens. So back, back to the honeymoon. Um, we're on our honeymoon and we had been there for a couple days. And for me, I was like, I feel like we've, we've been living an adventure. Like this has been crazy. You know, some days like the waves get so big that they crash and they almost knock me out of my beach chair. Like this is wild, man. And she's like, no, um, no. like it's, it's been great, but we've been sitting on the beach for 48 straight hours and I'm getting pretty bored. Like we need to go do something. And I was like, oh, okay. You, you think we just like go for a walk and maybe go eat lunch or something? Like that was talking. She's like, no, we need to like get out and go do something adventurous. And I was like, well, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? And she's like, well, I think that we need to go speedboating in the Caribbean Ocean. And I was like, oh, speedboating in the Caribbean Ocean. I've never operated a vehicle uh, or a boat before, um, but I'm your husband. I'm the man. We've been married for three days, and like, I'm, I'm going to rise up here, and I'm going to do this. So yeah, that's a great idea. 
So sure enough, the next morning, we were on our way to go speedboating in the Caribbean Ocean, and we get there, and there's all these boats lined up along the shore, and I'm freaking out, if I'm just being honest. And we get there, and I'm like, okay, this is great, but where is our instructor? Like, where's the instructor at? And so after standing there for about 15 minutes, all of a sudden, this short um, man pops up out of one of the boats and goes, do you want to go speedboating? And I'm like, no, I don't, and not with you. And he's like, well, I'm your instructor and, and, and you need to listen to what I'm saying. And I was like, okay, tell me, I, I'm all ears. Like, like lecture me for an hour and let's just cancel the trip, you know? And he's like, um, okay, well, here's what you need to know. There's one thing, you need to remember this. This is a speedboat, not a golf cart. Go full throttle the whole time. Let's go do this. And I'm not kidding you. We got in the speedboat and the next 35 minutes was one of the worst experiences in my life. Like I thought we were gonna die. It was probably the lowest point in our marriage thus far. It was unbelievable. She's like, are you scared? I'm like, yes, I'm scared. I'm not, this is awful. Like who would do this? Why do we pay? But it was insane. Meanwhile, when we get out of the boat, Anne's like, that was amazing. Do you wanna go do something like that again tomorrow? Like she loved it. And the truth is, is we both experienced the same thing. Like we were in the same boat, we, we were hitting the waves the same way, but we were looking at it through a different lens. See, the lens you look through impacts the life that you experience, and whether you know it or not, you have a lens that you're looking at college through. Like maybe you're looking at college through the, the GPA lens. We're like, man, I just need to study hard. Like, I need to work hard. I need to make good grades so I can get my degree and I can get a really good job. Or maybe you're kind of on the, the other side where you're looking at college through the party lens. And you're like, man, I, you know, a degree is, is kind of secondary. Like, I just want to have a good time. I want to live it up. I want to make the most of these four or five years. I just want to, you know, just, just do my thing. Or maybe you're looking at college through, through the relationship lens. Or like, I'm just trying to find my future husband or my future wife and I, you know, relationship goals. Like that is what I'm after in college. And that's the lens you're looking through. And again, the lens that you look through impacts the life that you experience. Have any of you ever been to an optometrist before to get your eyes checked? Anyone ever been there? Okay, a lot of you, yeah. Um, growing up, uh, I, I had the optometrist um, come to our school, like an elementary school. Is this just me or is, is, this, a, is this a St. Louis thing? Is this a world nationwide? Okay, yeah, so you have an optometrist come to your school and like they'd come one day, maybe two days a year and they'd set up shop in the library. And if you've ever been to an optometrist or if you've gotten your eyes tested before, you've seen a chart that looks something like this. This is actually known as the Snellen chart, okay? And um, this actually measures the clarity through which you see. And so I had this crazy fear growing up um, that I never wanted to get contacts. And the main reason was, is I had this fear of, of like ever having to touch my eyes, okay? And I know that you can get glasses, but I was like, I don't really want glasses because I play sports and I thought that you couldn't play sports with, even though that's not true. But I was like, I just don't want it. So I just thought the only option was contacts and my mom had bad vision. So I knew there was a good possibility. I was like, I don't ever want to go there. So every single time the optometrist would come to our school growing up, all the other kids would be excited. And they'd be like, yeah, 20 minutes out of class, like we can, you know, do our thing and we can just kind of goof off. And so we'd walk down to the library and they all would be having fun. Meanwhile, I'd be standing over there memorizing the Snellen chart <laughs> so that when I stepped up, they're like, can you read line six? And I'm like, E-D-F-C-Z-P, boom, what's up? And they're like, your vision's great. And I'd go home and my parents would be like, all right, great job. And this worked all the way up until my freshman year of high school. My freshman year of high school rolls around 
And somehow it got back to my parents that I wasn't reading the board in class really well. And so my dad's like, we're going to line you up with an appointment to go see the eye doctor. And um, I go in and I realized quickly that I couldn't cheat. There was no Snellen chart that I could memorize. So I step in and the eye doctor's like, wow, your vision is really, really blurry. You absolutely need contacts. I don't know how you've lasted this long without getting contacts. I'm like, I have a pretty good idea, but we won't go there right now. And, um, and so she's like, yeah, you need contacts. So we're going to give you a lens today and we're going to let you put them in on your own. It's going to be awesome. And the next two hours was the second worst experience in my life to the speedboating um, incident. And I finally, finally got my lenses in. And I'll never forget it. I walked outside and I looked around and I can remember vividly, I was seeing things I had never seen before in my life. And, and I don't know if this actually happened, but the way that I remember it and what I like to think is that I just started belting out like a, a whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. I'll take you anywhere, no time to spare. Let me share this whole new world with you. Thank you, Angelica. You should have came in on that. But thank you. Um, yeah, the truth is I've just been wanting to sing that song for a while from stage, and so this was the perfect opportunity. So thank you for letting me do that. But anyways, it was seriously amazing. Like, it was incredible. I mean, I remember I was seeing colors on the trees that I'd never seen before. Like, I honestly thought it was a green screen for a second, where I was like, there's no way that's a real tree. I was seeing further than I could ever seen before. See, the right lens helps you to see clearly. The right lens helps you to see the world the way that you should be seeing the world so that you can experience the world the way you should be experiencing the world. So students, I have a really big question for you tonight. What's blurry to you? What's blurry to you? Is it your faith in God or in Jesus? Is it your priorities? Is it your purpose? Is it your identity? Is it your future? Maybe it's everything. Maybe you're like, Matt, what's blurry to me is everything. At this point, I don't know what's clear and what isn't. Like everything is blurry to me at this point. And tonight, I want to tell you about a lens that I think can help to give you the 2020 experience, a lens that I think can help you clearly know your purpose, a lens that can help you know your identity, a lens that can help put your priorities in place. And in order to get there, I need to tell you the story of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul had one of the most lens-shifting moments in history. And when his lens changed, everything else began to change. So really quick, if you've grown up in the church at all or been around the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the name the Apostle Paul. Like we talk about him a lot other than Jesus. Like he's kind of known for being like the goat. Like he's the greatest of all time. Like he's LeBron, he's Kobe. Like people look at him in that regard. Like he is a big, big deal. In fact, there's two parts of the Bible. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, everything before Jesus was born. The New Testament, everything from when Jesus was born on. And the Apostle Paul wrote over half of the New Testament. So this is how big of a deal it is. He was going around. He was spreading the good news of Jesus. He was influential. People were drawn to him. The apostle Paul that we all know and love to talk about was known for being a missionary, a church planner, and a preacher. But this isn't where the story of Paul began. In fact, we first read about Paul in Acts chapter 7 in the Bible. And at this time, he was known as Saul. See, because in the first century, in this time, in the culture of this day, it wasn't uncommon to have multiple names. So Saul would have been his Jewish name, and Paul was his Roman name. And, and, and when we first meet Saul in Acts chapter 7, we also get introduced to this guy named Stephen. And Stephen was a faithful follower of Jesus. Like Stephen was going all around telling people the good news of Jesus, and people were coming, the movement was growing, but other people, including Saul, didn't like this. 
Like they didn't like that the message of Jesus was moving forward. So they decided that they needed to stop it. They needed to put an end to it. So finally they had Stephen cornered and they had said, you know what, we're gonna kill you. Like we're gonna, we're gonna take you out. And Saul was there and this is where we pick the story up in Acts chapter eight, verse one, check this out. And Saul was there as they're stoning him to death. Saul was there giving approval to his death. So Saul was in a position of authority where they were looking and they're like, Saul, if you say stop, we will. And Saul's like, no, keep going. In fact, the text even goes on to say that, that Saul was holding their cloaks. He was holding their jackets. So essentially what he was saying to the people is, hey, your jackets are kind of limiting your range of motion. Let me hold your jacket so that you can throw the rocks even harder so that you can kill him even quicker. This is what was happening. And the story goes on and it keeps saying this, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So Saul was going door to door everywhere and he was throwing people in prison. He wasn't going door to door like selling Girl Scout cookies so that he could get a limo ride pizza party. He was going door to door and he was capturing people, throwing them in prison and ultimately having them killed for what they believe in. So this is Saul. Saul was known for being a murderer, for being a rebel, and for honestly being a first century terrorist. So how did he go from being known as a murderer, a rebel, and a terrorist, to later on in the story of his life being known for being a missionary, a church planner, and a preacher? I gotta ask, and I hope you're thinking the same thing, what in the world happened to Saul? What happened? What happened is, is what we read just a little bit later in Acts chapter nine, it says this. Saul was on the way to, to Damascus to continue to kill Christians. And this is what it says. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So Saul is on the road to continue killing and, and capturing Christians. And as he's doing this, suddenly a light from heaven flashes down. And we keep reading. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Keep going. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So Saul says, who are you? He doesn't understand. He gets up, and it says, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So he gets knocked down, and it says that he was blind for three days. He couldn't see anything. And we keep reading, and this is what happens next. It says, immediately... Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. So what happened to Saul? What happened to Saul is that he had a real encounter with Jesus. He had a real encounter, not with the Jesus who lived, but the Jesus who lives. See, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus didn't die for a religion. He died for a relationship. And this is the Jesus that Saul encountered. This is the one who gave Saul a completely new lens. And Saul said, wow, this is a game changer. This is how he went from Saul to Paul. See, if Jesus is alive, then anything is possible. If Jesus is alive, then anything is possible. And I just want to tell you tonight, maybe the most important thing that you could do over your college experience isn't to get a degree. It might not be to make a really good group of friends or to find the perfect uh, boy or girl to be with for the rest of your life. Those are all great things. The most important thing that you could do over your college experience is to get to know 
who Jesus is, the, the real Jesus, the one who's alive, the one who resurrected from the grave. See, if you want to know who you really are, then discover who Jesus really is. In fact, Paul goes on to say this at the end of his story. This is amazing. In Philippians chapter 3, check this out as we begin to close. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. So basically, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So what Saul is doing here is he's giving his resume. He's like, hey, I've done it all. I've had a lot of authority. I've had a lot of power. Like I've been in the position. People know me. And he goes on, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Saul said, I thought I had it all. But then I met the living God. I met Jesus, the one who wants a relationship with me. And he gave me a completely new lens. And now I know that there is nothing greater. This is the 2020 experience. And he began to see clearly. He lived his life with purpose. I'm sure he had minimal regrets. And he was growing day by day. See, students, what you need to know and what you need to own over your college experience is that the one who gave you sight knows the clearest vision for your life. The one who gave you sight knows the clearest purpose for your life. He knows the clearest priorities for your life. He knows what your future should look like. And can I tell you, his plans for your life are a lot better than yours. They're a lot better than yours. And the 2020 experience, seeing clearly in order to live purposefully, regret minimally, and grow spiritually begins with knowing Christ more intimately. This is where it begins it begins by saying, yeah, I want to grow. I want to begin to know who this Jesus is, the real Jesus, the one who's alive, the one who rose from the grave. And once you do that, this is where the 2020 experience begins. So as we begin to close tonight, I just want to ask you a couple questions. And the first is this. What could you say no to this year that would help you get to know Jesus more? What could you say no to? Maybe it's a, you need to say no to a, a toxic relationship that you've been in for a while. And it's going to be tough. Like you're gonna have to have some tough conversations, but you need to end it. Maybe you need to say no to a group of friends that you've been hanging out with that you know are not the type of people you need to be around. You know that these are a group of people that are not helping you to make good, positive decisions for your life. Maybe you need to say no to that bad habit, that addiction that you've been coming back to time and time again that's causing you to forget what your purpose is, to forget your priorities, to lose focus. And on the flip side, what do you need to say yes to this year? Maybe this year for you, you need to say yes to, to making Monday nights at the living room a priority. Like you need to say, yes, I'm gonna be there every Monday night or as much as I possibly can because I need to be involved in a community like this. It is important to me. I want the 2020 experience in my life. Maybe you need to say, yes, you know what? I'm gonna be bold in inviting other people. I'm gonna invite my roommate this year. I'm gonna believe that God has a plan and he put my roommate in my room for a reason and I'm gonna bring them because I know that they need to be a part of a community like this. Maybe for you, you need to say yes. This is probably a lot of you. You need to say yes to signing up to be a part of a community group tonight. Like in a few minutes when we release, you need to walk out these doors and you do not need to leave. You do not need to load the buses until you are signed up for a community group. And I know what you're thinking right now. A lot of you are thinking, well, Matt, man, that's, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's me. I've never done that. I'm pretty nervous about that. Like I'm, I'm kind of introverted. That's not really my thing. Well, I would tell you, go for it. You can't do life alone. Take a step of courage tonight. Step out. 
The truth is, you need a group of people around you that you're going to have to fight through in order to throw your life away. And that's what a community group can be for you. And tonight, maybe that's what you need to say yes to. Finally, last, maybe you need to say yes to actually waking up when your alarm clock goes off this year, this semester. And and not that I'm speaking from experience, but is there anyone else that knows the struggle of of clicking the snooze button nine times then rushing out the door when you're already two minutes late? Like, that's me a lot of mornings. And maybe this semester, honestly, you need to say yes to waking up when your alarm clock goes off. And instead of spending the first five or 10 minutes of your day scrolling through your Instagram or your Snapchat stories, whatever it might be, you need to spend those first few moments of your day connecting with God through his word. And you need to dive into this and you need to say, Jesus, maybe I don't know much, but I need to start to see the lens that you can give me because I wanna live a life filled with purpose and I wanna live the 2020 experience, Jesus. And we know that this is so important that the staff here at the living room has taken the time to actually come up with a seven-day, a week-long devotional that you can start tomorrow morning. You can start it tonight. In fact, it's on an app, a free app. If you download the Bible app, a lot of you might have it, or the Version app. It's the first one that comes on, and we have our own. It's, it's written by our staff here at the living room. If you search 2020 experience, there's a reading plan that you can tune in for the next seven days. And there's a devotional and some scriptures to follow along with every day. It'll take you max five minutes each morning. And for some of you, this is the most important thing you could do this semester. This is say, yeah, I'm going to start my day off, not with the lies of the world. I'm not going to scroll through that. God had an opinion on your life way before anyone else spoke. And maybe you need to wake up tomorrow morning or tonight before you go to bed. And you need to say, I need to dive into this. I need to start to get to know who the real Jesus is. Not the one who lived, but the one who's living. Because if Jesus is alive, then anything is possible. God hasn't given up on you. God loves you. He's madly in love with you. That's never going to change. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. And could you imagine if all of us together as a community would say, hey, we're going to love our campus as well. And we're going to do that by saying this year, we want to live the 2020 experience. We want to begin to live our lives by seeing through the lens of Christ, through the one who's alive the one who died for us, so that we can have freedom, so that we can have hope no matter what this world throws our way. Would you stand with me as I pray for us tonight? God, we come to you tonight in awe. And God, I pray for the person in the room tonight that at some point it was unexpected, but at some point they're like, man, like, like I feel like this is for me. Like, like I feel like for too long, I've, I've been living life looking through the wrong lens. I've been looking through a lens that, that leaves me dry, it leaves me empty, it leaves me wanting something more. And I pray tonight that you would give that person the courage, the boldness to take a step of faith and to say, no, this year, this semester is going to be different. God, we thank you for this community that gathers here on Monday nights called The Living Room. And God, we believe that you're going to do something amazing this semester. And we thank you that we get to be a part. We thank you that we get to play a part of telling the greatest story ever in this city of Atlanta. Of telling people that there's hope. That there's one who loves you. That there's one who has a plan for your life. That there's one that offers you a purpose. And Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you that all that's found in the person of Jesus. There's no other name. You're the one who allows us to see clearly so that we can live purposefully, regret minimally, and day by day grow in you spiritually. Lord, we love you, and it's in your mighty, mighty name we pray tonight. Amen.